Good morning, church. My name is Rebecca, and I one of the things that I do at our church is I work with the pre-K, and they are amazing. And uh, so if anyone ha- has questions and you're not already serving somewhere in church and you love kids and you'd love to just impart God's word into them, then come and see me. Uh, okay, so I am going to read out of... Well, first of all, I don't know if you all can tell, but this was on purpose, Uh, (laughs) not on accident. Uh, I'm a sower, right? Can't you tell? Come on. (laughs) Or or my suburban take on it, at least. (laughs) So we're going to read out of Mark 4 again, all right? So Jesus is, has already told the people about the parable of the, the sower, okay? And then this is afterwards where he's talking to his disciples, and he's like, okay, well, for those of you who didn't get it, I'm going to explain it to you, which I get really excited at, at that part. I would be the disciple who's like, yes, okay, because I, yeah, I did not get it before. So in Mark 4, verse 13, and he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? And then in 14, he says, the sower sows the word. So so the seed is the word. And these are the ones who are beside the road where the word is sown. And when they hear immediately, Satan comes and takes away the word which has been sown in them. In a similar way, there are the ones on whom seed was sown on the rocky places, who when they heard the word immediately receive it with joy, and they have no firm root in themselves, but are only temporary. Now, when I was uh, listening to Pastor John share, and, you know, he's sharing, he's like, this is how, what this is going to look like, is when some of you hear this word in a couple days, you're just going to forget about it, you know, those things that are already, like, the Holy Spirit's pointing out to you that are uncomfortable in a, a couple of days. Don't worry about it, because you'll forget about it. In that moment, I was like, no! It was just, in my spirit, I was like, knew that I was like, no, Lord, no. I'm putting my foot down, you know what I mean? In that sense of, like, Lord, that's not going to be me, right? That's not going to be me. So then, in that moment, when your spirit man does that, then you have to say, okay, Holy Spirit, let's go for the boulders. What do I have to do? I've never removed a boulder before. Well, then you know what you do? You ask Holy Spirit, okay, Holy Spirit, how do we do this? Right? And he's going to give you specifics. So, right, I'm not a gardener. I don't know what to do, but the Holy Spirit's going to show you those specific ways of what to do. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Amen. And then, you know what? <laughs> Praise the Lord. He's going to give you the grace to actually walk those things out, right? <laughs> because, you know what? We... In that moment, I had a picture of, like, I love watching those home reno shows and people baking and other people doing all these things. I had this visual of, like, Lord, I don't want to be watching a gardening show. I don't want to be like, oh, look at that person over there. They're doing such a great job of making it look pretty and, you know, this beautiful garden. I was like, Lord, no, I want to be seeing that in my own life, right? So... I want to be ready. I want to be ready to sow. I want to be in that position that the God's able to do those own things in my life and that I'm ready to sow into others' life. And one story that recently came to me, and I'm going to share it, um, 
this, uh, I was driving through St. Paul, and I saw this older lady. She was shoveling her sidewalk, and as I'm passing, I see her, and it was just that moment where you know the Holy Spirit's speaking to you, and just my heart went out to help her shovel. Like, she looked like she was struggling, and I just had that in you where it just jumps out. But of course, I take a couple blocks to figure out, like, well, Lord, is that weird? What do you want me to do? Finally come back around, and I'm shoveling, talking to her, and having this conversation. And when we're kind of done, you know, and I'm telling her, telling her God loves her, and she's like, oh, yes, I know God loves me. It was like I, there was something more. There was something more that she needed that I just had that unction. And you know what? I wasn't ready. There was not anything there where I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to pray. I didn't know how to wait. I didn't do nothing. So I say that because I want to be ready. I want to have seeds to sow. I, you know, in... And we're talking about the word here, right? So I want the word of the Lord to be ready in my heart to be able to speak life into her life, right? Just the way that his word is doing something in my life. Amen. Thank you, Lord. So, uh, you know, like examples of this, like you don't need to be saying like, hello, ma'am, Psalms 3-3, you know, it doesn't have to be like that, but what, you know, that word that's doing it in you, you can be like, you know, the Lord is a shield about you. You know, that's what his, he says. He says, he is your glory, and he is the one who lifts your head. You know, like that's truth that is living and active and doing something. So, Praise the Lord. Come on, right? We're, <laughs> we're growing. I want to grow, and I want to speak growth into other people's lives. So let's do this. <laughs> well, okay. So everyone, if you can stand up, we are going to worship our Lord that has such beautiful things ahead. Thank you, Jesus. Heavenly Father, oh, thank you, Father. Thank you for your word. Thank you, Father, that it is living and active. Holy Spirit, it says you teach and you remind us. And so I thank you for showing us how, showing us the how. And so, Lord, we give you this morning. And, Lord, for those who need that, that encouragement, that stirring, that it's worth it. It's worth it. I thank you, Father, for encouraging them. So we lift up your name this morning. Jesus, 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 the lifter of our heads. Amen. started singing this song i was just i was just sitting and, and listening to the lord that's you know just if you ever look over there and i'm sitting and not singing it's usually because i'm listening trying to fit you know just w seeing what god wants to do before they sang this song i, I got a whole sermon pre you know ready to preach here and I, I just all of a sudden felt that god wanted to switch it just a tad and i don't think it's for the whole sermon ser service i think it's just for right now because then all of a sudden because he spoke some things to me and then they started singing this song and I, I'm gonna have you go back into this song in just a second that's why I asked I said do you have another song she goes nope that was it and I said, oh, there's something there's it's a there's more so just take a seat for just a moment and I'm gonna share my heart here and then we're gonna go back and we're gonna sing this song again I don't know about you but it just, it seems like since the first of the year, 
Um, well, you know, and obviously everything that's going on in the world, everything that's going on in the world, everything that's happening, it just seems like there's a heaviness that's trying to come on people. A heaviness that's trying to come on people. There's like a heaviness that's, I mean, it's, and it's not a, not a deep, dark depression, excessive misery. Sorry, that's just my head. I just got there. I'm sorry. You'll catch up. You'll watch the tape. You'll get what I mean. But it's not like, a, it's, it's not that. It's just kind of this, this more and more, just a weight, the weight of the world, the weight of life, the weight of decision. And even as I was listening and just listening to the Lord, I could hear people saying, I got all this I have to do. I got all this stuff. I got all this. I got to go back to school. Oh, I got to go back to school. I got to. I got to go back to work. I got to get back into you know. And I got to do this. And I got to do that. And and all of a sudden, this this heaviness just keeps coming on people. It, and it's not. You know, we live in this world. We live in a world where life happens. But that heaviness is not something we have to have to live with. It's not something we have to live our daily life with. He's come to, to, to give us life and life more abundantly. He says, he says, my yoke is light. My burden is not heavy. It's not hard. So the way he wants us to live our lives is to live it free and to live it full of joy and full of hope and to do the things that he wants to do. And, and all of that is what the Lord was speaking to me. And I'm thinking, okay, when do I do that? Well, then they started singing this song. I surrender. Lord, take control. You know, we, we, I don't know about you, but I, I, I want to figure everything out. I mean, I want God to be in control and God's, you know, and God's got, but I want to know what the plan is and I want to know what, the, what the, each step is going to be. And I, and I want to be able to be in control of that step. I, I, don't, I don't always want to be in control, right, Deb? But no, I do. I, I like to be in control. I like to think, oh, everybody else makes, no, I, I want to be in control. I do. But we all do, don't we? We all want to be in control of our stuff. But when we're in control, when we take control, all of a sudden His grace, we don't leave room for His grace to sort some of these things out. And, and I know where my sermon is going, so it's actually going to tie in with that. That there are, we're going to find ourselves in situations where all of a sudden we're out of control. Not, not out of control, but we don't have control anymore. And we have got to trust that God does have control. Because He does. He really, really does. And so, as they sing this song again, well, you know, we're not going to do anything formal. I just want you, as you sing this song, just think about those things in your life that are overwhelming you. Because if they're overwhelming you right now, you know, this is the practical stuff of Christianity. What, what is, what is, what, what's the benefit of being the Christian? Well, you're not going to go to hell. That's one. That's a huge one, okay? But we got a whole life we need to live here on earth. What is the benefit? Well, one of the benefits is that as we live our life, we don't have to figure it all out. We don't have to have all the answers. We don't have to make it all work. We don't have, he's in control. But we have to let him have control. And we're going to find out, you know, when I, when I preach the sermon, we'll, we'll get to a part where, you know, the disciples, they, they, they didn't realize that God was in control, even though he was. So why don't we all stand again? And I'm just going to pray real quick. Then we're going to sing this song again, however long you want to sing it. We'll know when to, when to stop. But we bottom line want to just allow God 
to be in control. So Father, we do. We stand here today and Father, we, we acknowledge number one, our need to be in control. We acknowledge, I acknowledge my need, my, my whatever, whether it's fear or whether it's doubt or whether it's just ignorance. I feel like I need to be in control and Lord, I repent of that because you're God and you're, you love my, you love me. You love me so much. You have my days planned out. Even from, even before I was born, you knew me. You knew all my days and you had them planned and, and, and your word promises us that your plan for us is good. Father, I relinquish the control to make sure that it's good. And I trust you today that it's good. That your plan for me is, is taken care of. I submit, and Lord, I'll do whatever you tell me to do. I'll, I'll obey you at every step, or as much as, as you're great, as much as I can, as much as I'll allow you to. But Father, I'll, I'll, I'll follow you. But Lord, help me, help us to relinquish that control of every detail, of every situation, of everything, and just enjoy the ride with you. Father, I choose today to enjoy the ride with you. I choose to trust you and to believe you and to, to just enjoy this ride. All right, praise the Lord. Turn with me. Turn with me to Mark chapter 8. Mark chapter 8. If you notice, this is uh, one of the verses, or this is the part of the chapter that we uh, have been reading. Uh, going to be reading this today and all throughout the week. I went a little, I'm going to go a little bit further than what we read today and or this you know recently, and uh, we're going to. Uh, it's good to good to be in the Word. Good to be uh, continually in the Word, and uh, because it's the Word that gives us the truth, gives us the answers. It, it's a, it's the thing that does not change. Does not change. Mark chapter eight. Begin with verse 1 says, In those days, when again a great crowd had gathered, and they had nothing to eat, he called his disciples to him and said to them, I have compassion on the crowd, because they have been with me now three days and have nothing to eat. And if I send them away hungry to their homes, they will faint on the way. And some of them have come from far away. So, Remember this. You know, it says once again in those days when a great crowd they they had gotten to the point uh, where these crowds were coming from all over, and he'd already fed the multitudes once. He'd already fed the multitudes uh, five thousand people once, and so they had already seen that miracle happen. And they were out in the in the wilderness. They had to be out in the wilderness. They had to be out away from the towns because there was so many people. You know, they didn't want their streets plugged up, or you know, they you know, Jesus was trying to maintain the crowd some, and and the people that were really wanted to be healed, really wanted to hear the word, all those sort of things, were uh, were were coming all the way out into the country to hear the word. Now I'm going to stop right there because some of you have noticed I'm not on the floor, and I can already tell. You're thinking this is weird. This is a new. This is this is. A, so I'm going to let you acclimate a little bit. Uh, we we've had some comments. People don't want the back of their heads. They're they're finding out they're bald. Uh, but when 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 they see the back of their heads, and so you know we're just we want to be sensitive uh, to everyone's uh, uh, things. 
But this is, a, this is the new normal right here. This is the new normal. But then every once in a while, I can do this. See? I can come down here and I can go back. But uh, I could just even sense even now, just people are like, wait a second, is he taller? Yeah, it's like, no, not taller. I'm just, I've moved up in the world. <laughs> Sorry, I, that, I, I had to give that whole lead in to give that joke. I'm a sorry, I just, I apologize. All right, so they've already been doing this. They've already fed the 5,000. They're, 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 they're seeing miracles every single day. And so they're, they're out in the wilderness. Once again, they've been there for three days. They've probably eaten all the food that, they've, that they have. You know, they don't have the Aldi's down the road. They don't have a 7-Eleven around the corner. They, they have whatever food or water they have, uh, they have to bring with them. You know, and for those of you who were on the Israel trip last year, uh, the, one of the main themes that we heard over and over and over from the first day all the way to the last day was water. And you were talking, were you talking about water? Somebody was talking about water this morning. I don't know. Maybe I was just hearing that too. But water. Water is in, in, in Israel, in, in the Bible times, throughout the Bible, everything was about water. Abraham had to dig wells. People had to have, you know, they had to have water out of a rock because they were going across the desert and they had no water. If you didn't have water, you died. And so, if you didn't, they, if what they didn't have with them, and then everywhere you go in Israel, it's desert, except until you get to the north side where all the water is. But they, they just need water, they need food. Well, these guys are out in the desert, and they don't have food, they don't have water. They, they, and they now have a crowd, and one uh, part of the New Testament says there was about 4,000 men. The first one was 5,000 men, this one was 4,000. Still a big crowd. And so they're hungry. Verse 4. Jesus, or verse 1 through 3, Jesus says, I have compassion on them and I want to feed them. Now, his disciples have already seen the feeding of the 5,000. And then this is their answer. Because you think, hey, they've, you know, they, should, they should get this. They should understand this. Verse 4. And his disciples answered him, How can one feed these people with bread here in the desolate place? They've already seen God move. They've already seen the God answer miraculously uh, by supplying what they didn't have out of you know few few loaves of bread, few fish. They've already seen the miraculous. They're seeing the miraculous every day. They're seeing blind eyes open. They're hearing you know deaf ears hearing. They're seeing the lame walk. You know paralyzed man who you know had you know they didn't even have surgery back then, but he stood up and walked. They're seeing the leprous healed daily. They're seeing the power of God. And all of a sudden, they've already seen this miracle once, but as soon as the, this situation comes up, what do they do? Oh, I, I don't know how this is going to work. I don't know how, I don't know how, I don't know how we're going to feed these people. I don't know how this is going to work. I don't, know, I don't know how God can solve this one. And that's our problems. 21st century, you know. How many times have you seen God provide for you? How many times have you seen God heal you? How many times have you got, seen God protect you? I mean, every one of us. I bet everyone, any, any, anyone who has, has been born again, that knows, has known God for a period of time, can say, I've seen God come through for me in the past. He's answered a prayer. He's, he's, he's healed me. He's, you know, raise your hand. If, you ever, if you've ever been healed, raise your hand. Yeah, you've been healed by God. Yeah, you prayed about it and, and God healed you. You know, I can tell you story after story. 
You know, uh, I was, uh, you know, right first after I rededicated my life to the Lord and I started reading the Bible and seeing this stuff was true, I was like, this is, this is awesome. God has power. God does this. And I was camping with a friend of mine. And I was camping down by the Mississippi River. And our kind of camping was different than what most people think of as camping. Um, you know, you think when you think camping, you've got your pull behind trailer, you know, the pop up with the stove and the, you know, on the refrigerator and the air conditioning and, and things like that. We were not exactly like that. Uh, when, when we would go camping, we would literally take nothing. I mean, we would, we would just take, we wouldn't have a sleeping bag. I, I never, you know, when, when I had to get sleeping bags for the first time, my wife and I went camping. I thought, why? Because I, I don't, I never, I never used a sleeping bag. I know, I mean, when, well, what do you mean? Well, I just slept on the, I just slept on the ground, or we slept on a picnic table, or we, you know, huh? Well, yeah, yeah, no, I had a home, but, uh, but we just, we were different, okay? We were, we just, you know, we'd go camping for three days. We may pack some meat and stuff in a, in a cooler we could carry, but we'd walk, you know, two, three hours up a stream and trout fish all weekend and go, oh man, I, I, think, I don't think we have enough food. We better catch fish, you know? We, we just were different. We'd sleep on the ground, whatever. Okay, well, that we were camping over by the Mississippi River and we had gotten there dark, at dark. And so we started a fire and we're hanging out and we're looking for a place to lay down. And so I, I saw a place away from everybody else because I snore. And I was, so I went over to where, I, and I laid down and I went to sleep. Okay, no problem. I went, I laid down and I went to sleep. And I had shorts on. And the next morning I got up and then my friends were still going to keep camping, but I needed to get back to work. And so I hitchhiked, I shouldn't tell people I hitchhiked, I hitchhiked back, to, back home and I went back to work. And the next morning I woke up and from the edge of where my shorts were all the way to where my bare, my, you know, my bare feet was every, all the way around my legs was 100% poison ivy. And it swelled up. I, apparently I had laid down in poison ivy all night long and then rolled around in it. I, I don't suggest it. It's not, not something you want to do. And I, it's, it's, it gets worse and it gets worse and it gets worse. And I'm thinking, oh my goodness. And I talked to somebody and they said, yeah, you probably should get that looked at. That's not just, you know, rub a little calamine lotion on it, you know, and, and it'll be okay. So I went to the doctor and the doctor, <laughs> I had sweatpants on, you know, because that's the only thing that didn't hurt when you put them on, you know, so I had sweatpants on. And he goes, what can I do for you? I said, I have poison ivy. He says, well, let me see it. And I pulled my sweatpants down. And he goes, whoa, wow. <laughs> you know, when a doctor goes, whoa, Wow. You know, that's bad, okay? That's not, he goes, that right there is the worst case of poison ivy I have ever seen in my life. And, and I was like, yeah, that's bad, okay? And so he goes, here's the deal. He says, there's nothing, you just rub calamine, you just put stuff on it, they couldn't give me anything for it. And I said, well, how long is it going to take? He goes, I don't know, I don't know. He says, you know, and he says, here's the deal. He says, that is so bad that will, could affect you the rest of your life. He says, if you even get around poison ivy, it could flare back again. He says, that's bad. That's ho I have never seen it that bad. And it hurt. Well, I go home. I can't go to work because I can't put pants on. You know, and they, there's rules. There's rules in society. And so I can't go back to work, and so I'm at home. Well, what do you do when you're at home and, and you don't, you know, can't work or whatever, but I had nothing else to do. You know, I hadn't, really couldn't do anything else. I started reading the Word. 
And you know, he had told me this could take weeks to clear up. Well, I didn't have weeks. I needed money. I needed to work. And so he says this could take weeks to clear up. Well, that first week, I'm in the Word. I'm just reading. And I'm reading. I'm starting to read healings. I'm talking about seeing the power of God. I'm reading. It's starting. My faith is starting to build. And I said, you know what, Father, I believe you. I believe that you heal today. I trust you. I, I believe it 100%. I said, Father, I speak over these legs right now in the name of Jesus. I tell that, that poison ivy to leave right now in Jesus' name. That, the rest of that day, it didn't disappear. You know, you would, you would hope it'd be like the leprous guys where they just, oh, hey, it's gone. And it wasn't. That whole day, I, it itched, it hurt. It, you know, I mean, it didn't just itch. I could tell you some details you don't want to hear, okay? Right? Nope, didn't want to hear. Okay. Let me just say cracked and oozing. Okay, I'll just, I'll just use the word, I'll just use the phrase cracked and oozing. Yeah, oh yeah. And so I, that whole day, it, I have every reason to believe that God doesn't heal. I had every reason, because there's the proof. I prayed, it didn't go away immediately. I, I, I believe God and it didn't go away immediately. I spoke the word and it didn't go, you know, and I had all day to, to go for the devil to go, see, it's not true. You're, you're going to tomorrow, you're going to be out for weeks and you're not going to be able to pay your bills and you're not going to blah, 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 blah. So all that day, I just go, no, God is good. God is good. I believe him. I believe you, Lord. I trust you, Father. Went to bed that night. The next day, it was three quarters gone. Three quarters. I mean, it, it, the swelling was gone. And much, within three to four days, there was not a scar. Because like I say, I'll use the term cracked and oozing. There was no cracks in my leg. There was not, there was, it was gone, gone, within three to four days. And he said weeks. Well, okay. So then, years go by. And I've never had poison ivy since. And I'm out in the woods all the time. Had, I've had no, I mean, I've, I know I've been around it. No problems. Why? Because the Word of God is true. The Word of God works. I've seen the hand of God. Well, then one day, and I don't even remember how it happened or where I got it from. I mean, I have some theories and whatever. But I, I woke up one morning and I didn't feel well. I didn't feel well and I started getting kind of woozy. And I was thinking, what is wrong? I'm coming down with something. And I was like, well, there's something wrong. I don't know what it is. And I went out for lunch with a friend of mine, and I just about blacked out. I'm sitting at the table, and I just about black out. And I went, dude, I said, there's something wrong. I need to go home. I'm really sorry. I don't even know what's going on. I need to go home. So I went home, sat down in the chair, and I'm thinking, I don't feel good. Well, what it was, was I had an infection in my body. I had cellulitis. Anybody know what cellulitis is? Yeah, cellulitis. It's a it's it's a it's a skin. It's a, a an infection that gets underneath your skin, and it it basically my whole leg was swollen and red and hurt, and it's an infection. And if you don't, I have a friend. I have a friend who I went to high school with who died of cellulitis because he didn't treat it. He didn't go in and get the 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 the, the stuff. He didn't go get the the antibiotics, and so you know I I. I Went in and I, I said, you know, hey, I, I'm not feeling good. I'm woozy and this and that. And uh, I, I, you know, I just don't, I, I, I kind of, I don't know, there's something wrong with me. And the doctor goes, oh, this, this, this. Is, is there anything else? And I said, well, I got a rash on my leg. He goes, well, let me see it. And I pull my leg, pull my pants down. He goes, whoa, wow, that's cellulitis. We need to get you on, on antibiotics right this second. And, and praise God for that. If I hadn't said, oh, I'm fine, you know, everything's good, you know, who knows. But, 
I started taking antibiotics. I think it was two weeks. I think it took two weeks to clear up. And, and I'm, I'm speaking over it. I'm praying. Well, why? I'm thinking, well, why? You know, the, 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 the poison ivy left on both legs in one day. Or, you know, and started, and within three days it's completely gone. I'm speaking over the site and nothing's happening. What in the world is going on? Well, over two to three weeks, I took the antibiotics and it went away, and praise God, that was fine. I went a couple of years. One day I woke up, I didn't feel good. And I just ah, didn't feel good and kind of woozy and this and that. And I, the next day, I had cellulitis. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Went to the doctor and he goes, oh yeah, once you've had it, once you've had it, you're susceptible to it. I was like, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. No. Okay, this, going back to what I said earlier, this stuff is the practical stuff of Christianity. God is good. And all of his promises are yes and amen. No matter what it is. Today I'm talking about healing. But it could be any, whatever promise is in the word of God. So I began to, to pray over it, began to speak over it, and it took a period of time. But, and I, there's a lot more to the story, but it took a period of time, a week or two, to, be, to go away. But it did. I got the antibiotics, I did, I did the, the human stuff, but then I also spoke the word over it. And praise God, it cleared up. Okay, good, I'm done with that, I'll never have that problem again. Two, three years passed by. One day I woke up and my leg hurt. And I went, no, 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 no. No, 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 no. And I was a little woozy, a little... And I'm thinking, you have got to be kidding. I mean, the, all the things that I shouldn't do, I haven't been doing. There's, there's, thing, you know, there's ways that you, know, that you get it. Hot tubs is one of them. I don't do hot tubs anymore. If you have a hot tub, I can't sit in it. Don't invite me over. But it's just like, oh, I haven't been in a hot tub. I haven't done... And all of a sudden, it's swelling. It's starting. I'm going, no, I am not susceptible to these stupid things. I go to the doctor. He goes, yep, you got it again. I was like, oh, man. You know, and every time you get it, you start taking those antibiotics. They say, you know, what happens if, you don't, if they don't work anymore? These are high, you know. So all that worry, all that fear, everything else. So I got the antibiotics. I got in the car. I'm driving home. And as I'm driving home, I got mad. And I was like, no, 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 no. This is not my lifestyle anymore. I, put up, I, I didn't put up with it twice, but I, you know what? Satan, whatever. That's twice. Third time, no, 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 no. I remember sitting in the car, getting ready to go in the house, before, right after I got out of the doctor, and I looked at my leg and I said, you are healed. I spoke it out loud. You are healed. I speak healing over infection. You get out of my body and you never come back again. Ever. I'm done with this. this. You're never coming back. This is gone. It is stopped. You're never coming back. You don't have authority in my life. And I am healed. I was born. When Jesus died on the cross, I was healed. I was, I'm healed. His words, I was healed. I am healed. I'll always be healed. In Jesus' name. I went to bed that night. Leg hurt, swelled up, everything. The next day, it was gone. Didn't take weeks. But I, I was like, okay, you know, human, human. Why did, why did it go away right away this time? Well, it's because I got mad. And I said, no, this is what the Word of God says. And I believe it, and I'm standing on it. If it had taken two days, who cares? Three days, I don't care. His Word works. I didn't die from it. I had a friend who died from it. I didn't die from it. 
And even as I'm, even as I'm saying that, it's like, well, what if it comes back again? Ooh, what if, no, get out of my head, Satan. Get away from me. I resist you in Jesus' name. No, no. By His stripes, I am healed. By His stripes, I was healed. So here's these disciples. They've seen these miracles, but as soon as they get back into the same situation, you see where I'm going at this here. We come back around the same mountain. You know, just because He tested you once and you succeeded doesn't mean He's never going to test you there again. Usually, it's in the victories that He wants to take your feet out from underneath you. Because then He said, oh, doubt and unbelief and fear. And what, what if it happens again? What if, you know... No. Just, just because you have the Word sown in your heart and you believe it, doesn't mean the trial's not going to come. Doesn't mean you're not going to have an opportunity. Doesn't mean just because you've had a miracle in your finances that your finances will never be attacked again. They will be. Because that's what He does. He seeks for someone He can devour. Just because you have one victory. You know, you, you see, we watch the, the children of Israel as they're, they're going into, into uh, Israel. When they won Jericho, when they won that first battle, all the other ones didn't leave. They had to fight fight after fight after war after war. Now they kept kicking night. Ites, Jebusites, Perizzites, parasites. parasites. It's not one of them. But it's all the ites. You know, they, they said, I'm gonna I'm gonna drive out the ites. You look it up in your Bible. I don't remember what they all are. Amalekites, all those Amorites, yes, you know what they are. All the ites. They they, they had to kick ite all over Israel. But here these disciples come back into the same situation and they said, how can one feed these people with bread here in this desolate place? And Jesus, He, verse 5, and He asked them, how many loaves do you have? And they said, seven. How many loaves did they have in the first one? Five. How many fish? Two. Two or three. Ah, whatever. Two, you know. Here they have more bread. You think they, you, you, they got more to start with. You'd think they'd be more full of faith. You would think. You would think you would be. Or I would be more full of faith after seeing what God has already done for me. After, after already seeing how He's taken care of me, how He's provided for me, how He's healed me, how He's protected me. I've, he's already done it so many times. You would think we just go, hey Jesus, the the four thousand needs some more food. We got we got seven loaves this time. How do you want us to take care of it? But that's not what they said. They go, how can how can this happen? Well, it happens the same way you did it the last time. You follow and you be obedient to God. Verse six, and he directed the crowd to sit down on the ground, and he took the seven loaves and having given thanks. He broke them and gave them to his disciples to set before the people. And they set them before the crowd, and they had a few small fish. And having blessed them, he said that these also should be set before them. Once again, you had a little bit, a little time. You had a start, you had a beginning. And God can do a miraculous work through it. 
You put it into His hands. You put it into His control. The stuff that we're dealing with in this world right now is out of our control. Totally. And now you can either get depressed, you can either get wound around the axle, you can, you can spiral into the, into the pit of despair. The pit of despair. Or, we look at all the other times God's come and has come through with us, for us, and go, whoo, this is going to be good. Yeah! Interesting. Interesting that we found ourselves in this situation. The last time we found ourselves in a situation, God came through awesome. And, his, and He doesn't change. He keeps coming through awesome. And He's going to come through awesome. Yeah, but this is different. Because the economy is different. This is different because the government's different now. See, it was, it was great. There was hope when the government that I liked was in power. But now that the government I don't like is going to be in power, they are there now, whew, what can you, Jesus, what are we going to do? Send the 4,000 away. Because, you know, now we're in a different part and there's, we're farther away from town than we were before. That's a big deal, you know. Verse 8. And they ate and were satisfied, and they took up the broken pieces left over. Seven baskets full. Now, the first time they had 12. So you could go, well, you know, you had more left over last time. Why was there left, left, you know, less left over this time? I don't know. Ask him. I don't know why. I'm sure there's a significance. I don't know. And there were about 4,000 people, and he sent them away. And then verse 10, and he immediately got into the boat with his disciples and went to the district of Dalmanutha. Dalmanutha. He did what God led him to do. He met needs miraculously. He meets our needs miraculously. He fulfills whatever need you have is not too big for him. Whatever stress you're under right now, he's got this. He's got this. Whatever thing you feel like you lack, he's got it. If you feel like you lack finances, if you feel like you lack health, if you feel like you lack love, He's got it. It's, he's already provided everything that we need for life and godliness. We have to believe what He did before is not something that just is a one-off. God's not a one-off God. I had somebody, you know, Robin Roberts, good friend of mine. Robin Roberts said to me one time, he says, if you've done it once, if God's done it for you once, He'll do it again. And I've meditated on that a lot. I've seen that many times over. If you've done it once, if He's given you the ability to do something once or to achieve something once or to do whatever, if He's given you the anointing to do something once, He'll do it again. And you can do it again. You know, you notice that Jesus said, hey, I already did that miracle. I don't need to do it again. No, He did it again. He did it at the first miracle, the water at Cana. That was supplying something out of nothing, you know, or just he turned water into wine. He 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 recreated. He did the impossible over and over and over. Why? To show us that we can live in the impossible over and over and over. We call it the miraculous. 
But it has to be impossible for it to be miraculous. If you can solve your own situation, it's not a miracle. That means you did it. You know his miracle is better and easier and more fun than you're figuring it out? So now, here's this, and it, this happens over and over again in the Scripture, just when they had this great breakthrough, this great, this great uh, miracle. It's like, whoa, he fed the 4,000. He gets in the boat, he goes across the sea, he goes to this place called Delmanutha, and he gets there, and what happens? Verse 14. Nope, back up, back up, back up. Verse 11. So they had this great miracle, and in verse 11 says, The Pharisees came and began to argue with him, seeking from him a sign from heaven to test him. And he sighed deeply in his spirit. <sighs> Why? Because you're telling me that feeding 4,000 isn't enough of a sign. You're telling me that feeding 5,000 isn't enough. You're telling me that healing a blind man, blind from birth, isn't enough. You need another one. You know what? You don't get any more signs. You know what's interesting is he said that. He goes, you don't get any more signs. And then what did he do? He did more signs. Isn't that interesting? He's not moved, he's not moved by people's desire. He's moved by faith. Just because, just because he can doesn't mean he will. He'll do it because it works with His Word. And we work with His Word. So He goes there, they started harassing Him. They didn't care. They, didn't, they wanted to prove that He wasn't the Messiah. That was their plan. They said, oh, do a, do a sign. We'll call the sign, you do it. He's like, I'm not a trained monkey. That isn't, that's not what it says. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's what the Greek actually meant. I'm not your trained monkey. You know, you know. I'll perform for you. No. God, God doesn't, you know, He's not a vending machine. You've heard people say that, well, you know, I, I'm going to make God give me this blessing. No, 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 no. You aren't going to make God do nothing. They're not going to make God do nothing. He sighed deeply, why does this generation seek a sign? Truly, I say to you, no sign will be given to this generation. And He left them, got into the boat, and went on the other side. You know, there are times where, you, where, where people demand that God reveal Himself, that God demand, you know, they demand that God does this and God does that. That's not how this works. It comes from a, from a, a, a humble, contrite heart. God, I love you. I mean, there's been so many times when I've been in need, when I've been, had a situation, and I say, God, I don't know how this is going to work. I, don't, I know you can do it. I know this can be sorted. I know that you can fix this. I know that you can heal this and provide for this. I, can, I know you can. Here's the deal. I trust you. I need, you know I needed this before I even started talking to you about it. And I believe your word says that you're going to provide. You're going to help me in this area. But it's because, because you love me, not because I'm demanding it. Because I don't demand it. Even, when, even in the most, most death-defying moments, I've never demanded that God do anything. And I've, in, in the most death-defying moments, I actually said this, God, even if it doesn't happen, I love you. Even if it doesn't, you'll, you're still God. And you're still my God. I'm still going to serve you with all my life. 
It's that humble and contrite heart. It isn't, it isn't demanding that God does anything. He left them and got into the, got into the boat again and went to the other side. Mark 8.14 This is about the disciples. Now they had forgotten to bring bread. And they only had one loaf with them in the boat. You know, they only had one. You got four thousand, or you got five thousand people. You got seven or five loaves. You got five loaves. He feeds five thousand. You have four thousand people. You have seven loaves. You know, do the math. You've got thirteen people in the boat and one loaf. More than enough. More than enough. Way more than enough. Hey, Jesus, we only have a half a loaf. Well, we only got a quarter of a loaf. Yeah, sweet. Not a, more than enough. I got a slice of bread in my pocket. And I promise there's no lint on it. More than enough. That should have been their attitude, but no, it was like, ooh, we didn't bring bread. And Jesus, oh, they began discussing with one another the fact that they had no bread. And Jesus, aware of this, said to them, why are you discussing the fact that you have no bread? You know, if, if the Greek could say, duh, come on, wake up, you twelve. No, but Jesus is much nicer than that. Do you not perceive, do you not yet perceive or understand? Are your hearts hardened? How many times do they have to see that He is God? You know, as we get further into chapter 8, He asks them, who do people say that I am? What's this all about? Who do people say that? And, and then they say, oh, you're Elijah, you're this, you're that. Okay, well, who do you say that I am? And that's when Peter says, you're the Christ. Well, if He's the Christ, if He's the Anointed One, and he has the anointing. And they've seen all the miracles. At what point, at what point do they go, you got this. I'm not going to even worry about it anymore. At what point, at what point do we finally go, you know what? You got this. You're the anointed one. You're the God of all creation. You spoke this whole thing in with a word. Let there be. Let there be light. Nobody can, do, nobody can say, let there be light. I mean, I know we could flick the lights on. Yeah, but what I'm saying is create light out of nothing. I love the fact when, when, you, when you're talking about creation science, and they said, you know, God said, let there be light. That was the first thing He said, let there be light. It wasn't until a day or two later that He created the things that cause light. Isn't that interesting? Why? Because it's not, he's, he's not even, he's not held back by having to have a source of light. He can create absolutely everything out of complete nothing. That's good. That goes back to the old joke. You know, the scientists came to him and said, We don't need you anymore, God. He says, Why is that? And they said, Because we can create life in the laboratory. We can create life in the laboratory. We don't need you anymore. He goes, really? He says, let me see you do it. And, and, you know, and they say, well, you first. And he says, and let there be. And, he, and something created out of the ground. So they go over and they grab some ground. He goes, whoa, 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 whoa. 
Get your own dirt. This is the God who created everything. This is the God who gives us life every moment. And He loves us. Where's grace? He loves us. He loves us. Those, he loves, he's the lover of my soul. That, that's an interesting phrase. Think about it. Lover, you know, one, one verse says lover of my life, but it says lover of my soul. My soul is how I think. It's, it's who we think we are. Our, our mind, our will, our emotions. He's, he, loves, he loves you even though you're weird. You just look at somebody and go, he's talking about you. <laughs> Got quiet there. <laughs> you know what I'm saying. Everybody else, you know. But he loves you. He loves you so much, he's given you everything you need for life and godliness. But now we have our part to play. What's our part to play? Now they had forgotten the bread. He cautioned them, saying, Watch out, for, watch out, beware the leaven. This is verse 15. He cautioned them, saying, Watch out, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And they began, began discussing with one another the fact that they had no bread. We're so far beyond the bread. We're so far beyond our daily needs. Really? We're so far beyond the, the news. What's happening in the world? I mean, we do our part. Absolutely, we do our part. We, we, we live our lives. We, 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 we vote. We, we write letters if you feel right. But we, we cannot control what happens out there. But He is in the middle of it. Working all things out for our good. We have to trust Him. We have to trust Him. We have to believe, hey, I can't fix Washington. I can't even fix St. Paul. I can't even fix Stillwater. But I know the God who does have the heart of the King in His hand. How's it going to work out? I don't know. I could just do what I do. I can just, I love the, what you shared at the beginning. If you weren't here, if you weren't watching, you, you go back to the beginning of the tape. What she was sharing was you can do what you do. You can be who you are. And, and how, did, how, how did she be who she were? That does not sound right in my head. But it came out, how be you do what you do be, you know? Sorry. It was like a, like a little ball was going back and forth in my head. How can you, what do you, how do you live this life to be a light of, you driving past somebody who looks like they're struggling, shoveling their driveway, and you go shovel the driveway, you help them, you know? You just go be a blessing. You don't, you don't, you know, and if a miracle happens out of it, if their leg grows or if they, you know, they're blind and they see, that's awesome. But what is the first thing? You meet a need. You be a blessing as the Lord leads. You know, you don't want to be driving on the road, see a guy, and he's a mass murderer, and you go help him shovel his driveway. I mean, be led. Be led. She wasn't a mass murderer. You're still here. Praise God. <laughs> but you just be salt and light. You just bring love into this world, one person at a time. You don't have to fix the world. You just live your life led by God. So here, there, we're, we're, we, we, don't, we don't have any, we don't have bread. 
Are your hearts hardened? Do you not perceive? Verse 18, having eyes you do not see, and having ears you do not hear. Guys, are you listening to me? This is Jesus talking to them. I'm not talking to you. But guys, are you listening to me? When I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? They said to him, 12. And the seven for the 4,000, how many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? And And they said to him, seven. And he said to them, do you not yet understand? Your daily needs are taken care of. Your daily needs are taken care of. God's got today. He has today. Whatever, and I'm not just talking bread, I'm talking everything. Whatever you need, and you fill in the blank. Whatever you need, He's already supplied it. Trust Him. Step into it. And walk in it. This next year is not going to be a year of lack. It's not. This year is not going to be a year of hardship and woe. Woe is me. Woe is us. The whole world is against us. Yes, they are. But greater is He who is in me than he who is in the world. I don't know how that is all going to work. It's going to be fun to watch though. You know, know, the whole world charging. Boing! They bounce off. Never thought I'd use the word boing in a sermon. Boing. You know, the whole army was coming against, was it Elijah or Elisha? Which one said, open his eyes, Lord? Elisha. The whole army, you know, the whole whole army's coming to take one man. And he's standing there looking and his his servant is just, "Ah! shouldn't we be running? This would be a good time to run. Lord, open his eyes. Whoa. There's more with us than against us. That hasn't changed. That hasn't changed one iota. That has not changed at all. There are more with us than against us. Just try, just try to squelch the kingdom of God. Just try, Satan. Go for it. Boing. I guarantee you, you're going to go through your week this week, and at some point when you're fearing, you're going to hear this word, boing. It is a deep theological term. That means boing. Repels off of you. It's just this thing that tries, it's just, oh, it's so horrible. Boing. The name of the sermon, Pastor Greg and Peter, boing. They always ask me on Monday, what was the sermon title? I'm like, I don't know. What did I preach about? I have no idea. I have to go back to my notes and go, oh, that's the sermon. I'll just tell you right now, it's boing. How do you spell it? B-O-I-N-G, boing. Just like it looks. Praise the Lord. There's hope. Amen? Amen. Amen.